Okay, here's a transparency moment. I had hip replacement surgery two weeks ago, and my recovery has gone well, but I'm not quite fully back in the saddle yet. Because of that, we've had to make some changes. So here's what we're doing. We've had some great guests in the past year. One of our most downloaded episodes was with my niece, Elizabeth Farina. So we've remixed it a bit and hope whether this is your first or second time hearing it, you will appreciate the wisdom she shares. Thanks for listening to Growing in Your Leadership Journey. This is the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network podcast, where we talk about leadership, influence, and their role in advancing the kingdom of God. I'm Mary Kay Blum, and I'm so thankful you're joining us today. Thanks for making this time investment with us. Are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Rick Shields, and I'm joined with my friend and colleague, Mike Atkinson. Mike and I are privileged to host this podcast and to direct the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network. And we're happy and excited that you are with us today as well. We're talking with Miss Elizabeth Farina in Woodbury, Minnesota, about principles of leadership and influence used in her life and in the organizations where she serves and directs. Allow me to briefly introduce you to our listeners. Elizabeth Farina has been a nonprofit ministry leader for over 20 years. She provides unique organizational leadership giftings to ministry initiatives that enable her to lead others in developing stable foundations and lasting strategies. She's the founder of Raising Generosity, a consulting company that's focused on stewardship and funding kingdom projects. She's also the co-founder of Rev Fresh, a benevolence ministry with a mission to refresh ministry leaders and their families with tangible resources that meet personal needs and encourage generous living. Elizabeth lives in Woodbury, Minnesota with her husband and two children, and she's my niece, but that's not why she's joining us today. Her leadership gifts set her apart. Thank you, Elizabeth. We are so glad that you're joining us today. Elizabeth, the premise of Doorways Leadership and Influence Network is that influence is an expression of healthy leadership, and leadership is best measured by its influence. We're certainly not the owners or creators of this thought or process. In fact, John Maxwell says leadership is influence. But how in your own personal experience and understanding, how do you see the correlation between leadership and influence? Well, I would say that leadership is directed at how we lead other people, how we model, how we create a pathway and take people on a journey. And influence is the lasting impact that we have on an organization, on a person's life, on a project, influences our fingerprint on that organization or people. We talked before we started this recording, and you said that it was especially interesting to you to talk about some important principles for successful leadership and influence. Talk to us about that a little bit. I've had many leadership opportunities over the years, and as a young woman rising in my leadership, there have been many times where I've been the only woman in the room. I've been the youngest person in the room, and I've gathered a few tips that I'd just love to share with you as you're as you're growing in leadership for people who would want to desire to be furthering their leadership. And I think the first principle that I have really found a lot of success with is just being willing to rise to the occasion. So when we have a call of God on our life and we have a desire to do uh, something he's put in our heart, many times we're just waiting and looking for an opportunity to step into that. 
And what I've really realized through my years, I've spent many years as a pastor, many years in nonprofit work and leadership, is that I have to be willing to just rise to whatever occasion is available. So that is bringing my best, being prepared, and then exceeding the expectation of that opportunity. So I'm one of those people that thinks no opportunity or task is too small. So when I'm given an opportunity, I step up and I try and do my very best that I can. That's interesting, exceeding the expectations, because there are expectations in every room, aren't there? Oh, there absolutely are. And there are expectations for every single project. Tell us another one of your points that you think are critical that you've learned over the years. Being teachable and inviting feedback. That is something that if you will learn to do, to say that my idea or my perspective is not a fully finalized, cemented opinion. It's not the right way necessarily, but if you're willing to be teachable and to say, hey, here is what I'm working on. I've come prepared. I'm valuing the opportunity and the people I'm working with, but tell me how I can improve. Tell me how I can do better. What did? What can I learn? How can I, how can I exceed the expectation? Um, man, just asking for that and being willing to not to lay down your defenses and take that feedback, that will help you grow and be better. So, you know, as a young woman in ministry, I don't have a lot of mentors. I don't have a lot of people. When I say mentor, of you know, let's go out to coffee. Let's sit down and have lunch once a week or once a month. There's not as much in my life. I have not had as much one-on-one mentorship. So I've found I have to glean. I have to be willing to learn from other people. And then also when I ask for their feedback, implement that feedback. So when I say, what can I do better? And they give me a response, implement it, learn from it, adapt my methods and adapt my pathway. And that has really helped me. So to be teachable and ask for feedback. Elizabeth, as leaders, we often, at least we think there's the expectation that we're supposed to have everything put together and that people are coming to us for answers and resources. So when you invite feedback, that opens and exposure a little bit and you lay yourself out there in front of those that's going to bring feedback. How do you mentally and and spiritually prepare yourself to do that, to open yourself up? Well, part of it is going in with a perspective of saying, I can learn from this conversation. So laying down my thought of I've done everything perfect. That's where it brings vulnerability is I don't want to, I don't want to invite negativity. So you have to go into it saying there's something I could learn. I know I could do better. I know I've done well, but I could do even better. So it's a, you have to have tough skin. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Sometimes you hear things that you, you don't love. So you take it with a grain of salt, take the meat and spit out the bones. But what could I learn here? The powerful thing is even sometimes feedback doesn't come in a way that is feels good or is easy to swallow. But when you say, what could I learn? There is an element of truth in it. And what I've found is that most people, when they see you coming humble, asking to be better, they want you to succeed. So humility you- makes a big difference there, I think, too, Elizabeth. Sorry to interrupt you, but but sometimes we're asking for feedback. Others hear it as critique me. 
and we're not always asking to be critiqued. And yet we also, I want to know what my weaknesses are, how I can strengthen them if necessary. But more often than not, it comes as criticism when really maybe it behooves us as leaders and as influencers to look at providing feedback as encouragement. Well, and I think you said something really interesting there, critique me. So when I ask for feedback, I like to be prepared for that conversation. I go in and say, this is the project I've been working on. Here is the part I was contributing. What feedback could you give me on this specific area? What could I have done better? So I try and guide the conversation before it happens. If I'm asking, you know, there's times where it comes to you and you're not (laughs) able to shape that. But if I'm asking for feedback, I say, this is exactly where I'd like you to speak in. What could I do better in this area? Or what do you think we could do to improve involving this group of people or connecting, communicating this way? So I give them a parameter of what I'm looking for. Give us an example of someone you know that have lived out these concepts that you're outlining for us, you know, raise to the occasion and be teachable and invite feedback. Where did you learn this? I learned this by watching and listening to people I admire, people that I saw as successful in the field that I wanted to be successful in. So it hasn't necessarily been one friend that embodies this or one person in my life. But I have looked to who are the people that are doing what I would like to do in a way that, man, I could see myself doing that. Those are the people I've tried to tried to glean from and learn. What do they do? What are they saying? How are they responding? And that's that's influenced me to be teachable. That's influenced me to exceed expectations. It's influenced my attitude and perspective. Um, just learning from from other leaders. That's also part of that humility that you speak of earlier, too, and being teachable. Sometimes we're teachable just by listening and hearing and being with others. I agree. Elizabeth, you mentioned um, prior to recording this podcast that you had three items that you want to talk about regarding the important principles for successful leadership and influence. So you've mentioned two. What is the third aspect of that? I have a saying, and anybody that works with me for any amount of time will quote me saying, you can have a problem or you can have a party. That's an overarching leadership philosophy for me. See, things go wrong. There are a lot of obstacles that we don't plan on, especially when you're leading other people. Not everything goes smoothly, but the ability to turn an obstacle into a win, into something fun and exciting. So for me, when I have something going awry, going in a direction that is unplanned and not what I had hoped for, it makes me rise up in a challenge. How can I turn this around and find the fun in it and make it successful? And those are some of the best memories that I have in leadership. Some of the best times when we've overcome obstacles And when you're leading, typically that's how are we bringing people along with us in that? I believe so much of the influence that we can have is not necessarily in the agenda or in the task at hand, but it's about our response. That's what makes an impact on people. 
What is our attitude when we don't get what we want? What is our attitude when circumstances are out of our control? So when we can turn those problems into maybe it is an actual party or maybe it's into something that is fun and we shift the momentum of the moment into our favor, into the organization's favor, into the church's or the ministry's favor. I think that is just an important piece of leadership. So I know you personally, and I've had a chance to see that parties are pretty important to you, by the way. (laughs) I like to party. I think that's just an incredible mindset to have and not that we welcome or anticipate or expect the obstacles, but often, as you said, those end up being the treasure moments that we look back and see where the most growth uh, has occurred with us and our teams. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, as we talk about it, I'm reminded of being out on the boat with my family and occasionally my 12 year old will say, Hey dad, can I, can I steer the boat? Anybody can steer the boat in clear water. It's clear sailing. Anybody can do that. Even a 12 year old. It takes someone experienced and it takes a good leader to steer through the waves. And that is just to be expected. In leadership, we have times where there are big crashing waves, but can we keep the ship moving in the right direction? Um, Or do we just go down with the ship? And I think a good leader can do that. A good leader can say there are obstacles, there's problems, but we can make it. We can still move forward and we can come out on the other side stronger, loving each other, loving the Lord, and having a good attitude while we do it. When did you first realize that God was preparing you to be involved in a leadership role? When did you realize that? I've been involved in leadership since I was young. So I was given opportunity, sometimes (laughs) against my will. I was put on a stage or I was put in charge of a group. And I think that that is actually just Uh, recognition that God created me with some leadership giftings. But I was young when I had a desire to lead others. I would say I was probably 16 years old when I could go back to realizing I needed to be set apart to lead the people around me, even at that point. And then at different points that has grown, that grew when I was in college, that grew when I was in my 20s, that grew as I approached my 40s. I'm now 42 years old, but I, there, are, there are continual points where I've seen God open up a door for me. And what I love about what I just love about the Lord is he's a gentleman. He doesn't push you through it, but many times it's an open door and there's a threshold there that you have to summon. Am I going to walk through this door? Am I going to seize this opportunity? Am I going to be the one that will step into the headwind here? And so it's a constant invitation, but for me, it's gone back to even when I was a child. How do you help others grow Elizabeth? I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of people and I love helping other people develop their potential. So some of it for me is identifying what, just knowing my own personality and who I I have that click with. So some of it is identifying people that I think I can really work with. And then one of the first things that I do is I just say, hey, I don't do drama and we're going to have a culture of feedback. So if you want to take a closer step and leadership walk with me, I have to know from the beginning that you're open to feedback and that we're just not going to do a lot of high drama. From there, I like to bring people in. So I will teach them how I think, 
not because the way that I think is the only way to think or the best way. But if I want to reproduce myself, I can't leave people guessing what I'm thinking about and why I do things. So I'll say, here, come over here. Look at this email I wrote. This is why. Look at this promotional piece that I put together. Here's why I put this here. Or I'll commonly do the meeting before the meeting. This is the meeting we're going into. What do you think these people are thinking about? Here's what I'm going to try and do. Here are my goals. What do you think we should do? So we have that meeting before a meeting with other people. And then the debrief, I think, is very important. What did you hear? What can we take away? Did the goals we went into in this project or this meeting, did we accomplish those? How could we do better? So some of it is just bringing people along in my thinking, but then also offering opportunities for people to try themselves. So I give them a a small task or a small portion of something that they can lead. And then we follow up. How did that make you feel? Was there anything that you you learned about yourself? Or what were the blanks that we need to fill in for you for the next time? So giving opportunity for feedback, I think, is really important. Which was an important part of Jesus' leadership style as well. He sent out the disciples. They came back and he said, how'd it go? And then they <laughs> right. would tell him. And sometimes it went well, other times not so well. But it was still an opportunity to learn from that experience. It was. And, you know, there are a lot of times when I hear people, especially in ministry, they're saying, I just need some good leaders. I need some people I can depend on, which I've said those same things. It's true. But what I've found is if I am willing to work with the people that are there and available, I can raise up the people that I need. So I tend to call it um, working with puppies. (laughs) So if you've ever had a puppy, you have to train them. You have to be consistent. You have to be patient. Okay, someday you're going to be my best friend, but right now you're chewing on my sofa. So I've worked with a lot of college students. I've worked with a lot of emerging leaders that require an incredible amount of consistency and work and training. But Before you know it, little by little, they start to repeat what they're hearing. They start to act in a way that's beneficial. And many of them have become uh, very good friends and colleagues for me. But when you're willing to work with the people around you, then what has happened for me is then I've had opportunity to lead my peers. They recognize the work I've done. And then I've had opportunity to lead among my own peers. And with time, my leadership has grown to now I'm in a position where I'm leading leaders that are beyond me, but I've learned how to work with anybody. I've learned how to work with just the puppies, my peers, and the ones that I respect and revere. I hope you enjoyed our podcast, and I hope that you'll join us on future episodes. Please follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. Until next time, this is Rick Shields, and on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, this is my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after Him. Thanks for listening.